You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Amen. Well, come with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 3. We're starting a brand new series today, and uh, my, my wife came up with this, with the, the theme for this series uh, as she was going through the one-year Bible. It says, and there was great joy in the city. There was great joy in the city. And so Leanne's like, man, I, I, that, that, that's, that's what the church's fruit should be. The reputation of the church, when the church is in full swing, when the church is in its flow, when the church is in its function, there's great joy in the city. Can I tell you, joy doesn't come from the earth. Joy comes from heaven. Joy comes from heaven. When the angels came, they brought glad tidings of joy. They, they constantly say, rejoice. Joy comes from heaven. The more heaven in your life, the more joy you have. The world looks for happiness. Our constitution gives us the permission to be in the pursuit of happiness. And that's not a bad thing. But happiness often de is determined by or is dependent upon what happiness. If something good happens, then I have happiness. But if something bad happens, I've lost my, because it depends on what happiness. But joy is different. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. You can have joy in every season. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You can walk through your darkest day and still have joy because joy is a flow that comes from heaven despite the economy, despite the gas prices, despite what's going on around you, you can have joy in you. So there's great joy in the city. So I want you to know that today you can leave here with joy. You can leave here with joy. And joy, joy doesn't come by itself. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You find that joy comes from the Word of God. That The Word of God will, will, will put hope on the inside, put faith on the inside, it'll, it'll produce joy. Like, man, you know what? What's happening around me is just temporary. My God is bigger than the economy. My God is bigger than crazy. My God is bigger than that in the midst of chaos, I can have peace. So, so that's, the, that's, the, that's the theme. So my title for my message today is Come Into the House. Come Into the House. It may not make sense, but we'll get there. Genesis chapter three. This is after Adam and Eve have eaten from the tree that God told them not to eat from. He said, of all the trees of the garden, you can freely eat except one, it's not free. All the trees you can freely eat, don't eat from that one. That one will kill you. There's death in that tree. Don't eat from that tree. The day you eat from that tree, you will surely die. It's a death tree. Don't eat from it. But Adam and Eve looked at the tree. The serpent tricked them. And so they ate from that tree. Their eyes were open. They sewed fig leaves together. They realized they were naked. They hid from God. Everything was a mess. God immediately comes. God immediately comes. Fools will try and tell you that religion is man's search for God. And maybe it is. But Christianity then isn't a religion. Because Christianity tells us that man wasn't looking for God. God came immediately looking for man. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, God appears in the next verse and says, Adam, 
God came looking for man. Christianity is not about man looking for God. It's about God so loved the world, He sent His only Son into the earth on a rescue mission to redeem us so that we could be restored back to right relationship with God. Religion may be man's quest to get to God, but Christianity is God's rescue mission to restore you back to the family of God. Somebody say amen. So now come down to verse 23. It says, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed the cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So Adam and Eve were, were evicted from the garden. Because they disobeyed God, because they disobeyed God, they lost paradise. Paradise was lost because of disobedience. I, I want you to, to understand something that the devil will never tell you. And what the devil will never tell you and I is that, that uh, obedience will never cost you as much as disobedience. What disobedience will cost you, what disobedience will take you. Sometimes you say, oh man, God is telling me to, to put a big offering in, but, but man, it, it's gonna cost me. Man, I feel God telling me that I need to serve on a, on a team, but it's gonna cost me X amount of hours per week. I feel like God is telling me to, and there's always a cost with obedience. But after over 30 years of pastoring people, I, I gotta tell you, the cost of obedience is nothing in comparison with the cost of disobedience. The apparent men of people that I've counseled and they've lost their marriage, they've lost the respect of their children, they've lost their business, they've lost their... Disobedience will always hurt you, will always punish you much more than obedience. When I was in Bible school, when I was in Bible school, I was so intimidated. I got saved on a beach and now I'm in Bible school and, and we had chapel. Uh, and, and I remember hearing, you know, people get up, other students, and they were second generation, third generation, some even fourth generation pastors' kids. And, and they, they knew all the 66 books of the Bible. I didn't know there was 66 books in the Bible. They were talking about the synoptic gospels. I'm like, I've never even read that. They're like, yeah, Matthew, Mark. I'm like, that's, the, oh, what? Like I had no idea. Old Testament, New Testament, I had no idea. And, they, and I'm like, God, how can I even compete with these people? They're second generation, third generation, fourth generation. They, they know church and they've got contacts. And, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you can actually exceed all of them. And I said, how? I, I don't have the hereditary. I don't have the connections. I don't have the background. I don't have the history. I don't have the heritage. How can I? And he said, oh, it's simple. You can out obey them. You can out-obey. So I just made a decision right there and then that whatever God asks, whatever He asks, I'm just going to obey. And God will test you on that. But I'm telling you, when people look at, at what, what is happening in Awaken and what God has done, I, 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 I'm, I'm really honest. I'm not that smart. I'm not that clever. I'm not that good. But in the words of one of my heroes, Dr. Dr. Cho, they asked him, what's the secret to his success? The man who built the biggest church in the world, over one million members in one church, Yoida Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. They said, what's the secret of your sex? He says, in his, in his South, South Korean accent, ha, oh, very, very simple. Pray and obey. 
pray and obey. Sounds simple. Pray and obey. If you say, what's the key to success in life? Pray and obey. Pray and obey. It's one thing to pray. It's a whole nother thing to obey. So Adam and Eve, because they disobeyed, were driven from the garden. Now come with me to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 2. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. So when they were driven from the garden, they went out into the, into the wilderness, but God didn't leave them in the wilderness. Have a look at Isaiah 2, 2. It says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain, not the molehill, the mountain, not the hill, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains of this world and shall be exalted above all the hills and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, come, let us go to the house. Let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And then it goes on. The title of my message today is Come Into the House. When Adam and Eve were were driven out of the garden, when they lost Eden, when they lost paradise, God says, hey, come into the house. Come into the house. Everything you've lost in here, you're gonna find in my house. You're gonna find in my house. God's invitation to you today is come into the house. Let me give you three three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts. Uh, The first, first one is this. If you go in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter one, verse 35 to 39, John chapter one, verse 35 to to 39. Uh, John the Baptist is is baptizing people in the Jordan River. Uh, He's got his disciples with him. And two of the disciples hear him point out that Jesus is the Lamb of God. So uh, here it goes, 135 to 39, it says, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? Where are you staying? Now, how many people know that when Jesus called the disciples, when Jesus called them, he gave them a command. And what was the command? Follow me. That was the command. He said to the disciples, follow me. Most people, myself included, believe the very, very first command that Jesus gave to the disciples was follow me. Follow me. But it wasn't. It wasn't. The first command Jesus gave to the disciples is in the next verse. These disciples said to Jesus, Lord, where do you stay? Where do you live? Where do you dwell? Where's your house? And Jesus, in verse 39, said to them, come and see. Come and see. So they went with him to his house and they saw where he lived. The first commandment of Jesus isn't follow me. The first commandment of Jesus is come and see. The first commandment of Jesus is come and see. 
I want you to know today that when you come into the house of God, you come into the place of sea. You come into the place of vision. When you come, when I came into the house of God, I began to see for the first time. I began to see all the empty pursuits. I began to see the trail of mess and destruction that I left behind trying to, trying to be the man, trying to be the star, trying to be the hero, trying to be, trying to be all these things. And all I did was used and abused and burnt and, and, and broke down people's lives on the way trying to fill a hole in me that could never be fulfilled. I took bites out of other people trying to fill this and it never fulfilled. And all I left was a try. I saw it for the first time. I began to see that's the wrong way to live. But I began to see the right way to live. I began to see that God had a plan. I began to see that God's Word is life. I began to see that God's Word brings power. I began to see when you come into the house of God, you begin to see. I began to see freedom for the first time. Freedom from the torments in my mind, freedom from the addictions. I began to see a future. I began to see marriage. I began to see in the house of God. I began to see that God is a God of transformation. Every week I would hear story after story, like, like TDJ, story after story about a God of miracles and a God of breakthrough. I remember, uh, I remember sitting in church and uh, it was Wollongong Church of Christ is where I met my beautiful Leanne and, and it was like this, it was like jam-packed. And so what they did was they, they, they couldn't fit any more, more seats. It was right in the center of the city was the church. And so the only thing they could do was blow out the wall behind the stage and they put like 120 chairs. It was like the overflow. And if you got there late, that's where you sat. You sat in the overflow. I remember this one Sunday, I didn't want to sit in the overflow. And I'm sitting about where, where Pastor Mike's sitting. And, uh, and all the way through the service, I, I, I kind of felt like there was somebody kind of gazer beam right at me like this, just someone staring at me like, and you know, because the lights are on the stage. And so, you know, the light, there were shadows behind. I couldn't make out. I'm thinking, that's weird. You know, I'm in worship and, look, and, and I'm like, man, I feel like there's some old guy staring at me. Anyway, service finishes and, and, and this, 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 this old guy gets up and he goes to the side, and then he comes right out the front, and, it, and all I hear is, Matasius! And I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's Mr. Dixon, my high school principal. He goes, Matasius, what are you doing here, son? And I'm like, oh. And, and my, my brain's like, quick, quick, lie. Quick, make up a lie. And the other part of my brain that was saved, is like, no, you don't need to lie. You're saved now. And the other part of my brain's like, shut up. He won't believe that. Quick, lie. He says, I asked you a question, son. What are you doing here? I'm like, oh, um, I got saved. He's like, no, you didn't. Why are you here? And I'm like, oh, crud. I'm like, no, I, did. I, I said, no, I got saved. Like I'm allowed to be here, I got saved. And he sat next to me on the, on the front row and he's just like this. I'm like, Mr. Dixon? He's like, no, you didn't. I said, honestly, Mr. Dixon, I got saved, I become a Christian. He's like, no, not you, Matesius. I'm like, no, honestly. He was like, but this is a house where come and see. Mr. Dixon had to write a letter home when I was in my, finishing my junior year. In fact, I just began my senior year, but it began in my junior year where, and he sent a letter to, to home to my parents saying that I don't take school seriously. See, in, 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 uh, in my, my freshman year, my school report, 
said, Jürgen is a, is a brilliant and very capable student, but is easily distracted. In my, in my sophomore year, it said, Jürgen is a very, very bright student, but he is easily distracted, which is affecting his grades. In my junior year, it says, Jürgen's grades are slipping because of how easily he is distracted. But in my senior year, my school report didn't say that I was easily distracted or that my grades were slipping. I'd reached the pinnacle. <laughs> my, my school report read, Jürgen constantly distracts others. <laughs> which is nothing to boast, Dr. Lisa. I feel so bad. I know. <laughs> Dr. Lisa has me on the board. I may not be on the board of CVCU. Anyway, anyway and so, but he, he came in to see many, many years later, I never told the, the 9 a.m. this, about seven years later, I'm preaching in a church in Sydney and I share my testimony and this very, very beautiful, beautiful young blonde girl, maybe 21, 22 years of age, was the first to raise her hand, comes out on the altar, Altar was filled and I remember just taking a minute just to, to ask her name and pray with her and she's crying. I get a phone call later and it's from Mr. Dixon. He's now retired from being a principal. He's working for the Gideon Society distributing Bibles and he couldn't thank me enough because the young girl that came forward was his daughter who'd been away from God. See, when you come into this house, when you come into this house, you come, you come into a place where you will see the craziest transformation. You'll see the craziest miracles. You'll see the craziest breakthrough. You'll see the craziest things happen. It happens in the house. It was, it was in this house I began to see marriages. I came from dysfunction and brokenness, but I began to see function. I began to see husbands loving wives, wives loving husbands. I began to see friendships. I began to see relationships. I saw it in this house. I remember another time they, they had this... Uh, they had this, 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 young, this young, I think he was like 21 or, and, and he, he, he was at, at seminary and they had him as the guest speaker. And, uh, and, and he had a three-piece suit on. I mean, he was 21, but he looked 40 because, you know, he had the, and he was all eloquent and preaching from the scriptures and the original Aramaic says, and which means to say, you know, and, it's, and he's doing, and the Greek, and and they're like, wow, this guy's like learned. This guy's like brilliant. And he was just, you know, and so after, I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm, a, new, you know, I'm a new baby Christian. I'm like, man, he's like a Pharisee. Like he's just like, wow, or a Sadducee or a, I didn't realize they were a bad thing. Man, he could, he could easily be in the Sanhedrin, you know, like that was what I'm thinking. And so I remember the pastor, the pastor gets up afterwards and is like, man, what a future, what a future, the church with young men like theirs, with young men like theirs. And, and even I'm thinking, you know, wow, wow. Like, you know, can't remember anything he said, but wow, like the, the three-piece suit at 21. And, and I was sitting, sitting on the front row and the associate pastor who now lives in Orange County, Pastor Wes Beavis, comes up to me and he says, Jurgs, are you all right? I said, oh man, I was doing engineering. And if I was honest with you, I was doing engineering and I just thought that's the rest of my life. The rest of my life, I'm gonna do something that my heart's not really in, but 
hey, that's life. I, you know, who wants to go to work, but you have to, to live. And if you wanna get married, you gotta have a home and you have a home, you gotta have a mortgage, and you gotta pay for that mortgage. So I just thought that was my life. And he said, what, what's, what's the matter? And I said, oh, Pastor Wes. And I was like most so vulnerable. And I thought, oh, you fool. Why would you be so vulnerable? I said, oh, Pastor Wes, I just kind of believe like I'm meant to be a preacher. And he just smiled, put out his hand, grabbed my shoulder and said, Jurgs, you're gonna be a preacher. You're gonna be a preacher. I remember, and it just changed the course of my direction. I began to see a different future. I began to see that the dysfunction that I came into the house with, that, that because I was in a house of come and see, I could see a different future. I could see that I could be married to one woman for the rest of my life. That I could see that, I, that we wouldn't tolerate one another, but we would love one another. We would champion, we would be each other's biggest cheerleaders. I could begin to see that I would have a family. I began to see that, that my life was gonna take a different direction. I began to see that my life could have meaning, that my life would have purpose. The house of God, the first commandment from Jesus was come and see. But I gotta be honest with you, I began to see how jacked up and how empty the world really was. I began to see that the contrast between myself and my friends, I began to see them going out, still doing the same things at, at, at 38 that they were doing at 18 every Friday night, every Saturday night, going out to the pubs, going out to the clubs, partying, drinking all their, their, their paychecks away, smoking it all the way, waking up with a hangover and I'd see him at the beach and, hey, how was last night? Oh, must have been good, can't remember. <laughs> I'm like, wow, you've been doing that for 20 years. Waking up, you must have had a good night because you can't remember, but your wallet's empty, isn't it? You, you did remember that, right? How long are you gonna? I began to see. Point number two is from garden to table. From garden to table. When we, uh, when we first moved here, uh, we had, you know, we were San Diego, California. So Sally had, had, these, had, had, this, had this lady come up. She goes, hey, where, 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 where do you guys do your grocery shopping? And I'm like, oh, you know, Vons and Ralph. She goes, oh, really? Like it was a negative. I'm like, I love the variety. You should see, compared to Australia, it's like you got 10x the variety. It's unbelievable. She goes, oh, no, we only shop at Whole Foods or Trader Joe's. I'm like, oh, why? She goes, because we only eat organic. Organic. I'm like, what's, what's organic? She goes, uh, duh, organic, not processed, not filled with preservatives. I'm like, dude, I come from Australia. We spent seven years in New Zealand. Everything's organic. We don't have a population big enough that we're gonna preserve it and freeze it. And it literally comes from the farm to the table. So then a couple of months ago, we're with the, we're with the Jaegers. And if I was honest with you, if I was honest with you, Now, how many people love Pastor Mike Yeager? But what most people don't know is Mike's middle name, and I hope it's all right for me to tell. 
Mike's middle name is, it's, it's, it's not just Mike Jaeger, it's Mike, look at me, I'm better than everybody else. Jaeger. Jaeger, that's his middle name. Lick. And so, so, so we're, down, we're down in Cabo, and you know, Mike's fluent in Espanol. And so, you know, he's like, you know, Pastor, when you get down there, do you want to, you know, I said, mate, I, I always want to be able to, you know, relate to the locals. And he's like, you know, I said, will you teach me? He said, I'll teach you. So he says, you'll be my Padawan. It's like, I'll be the Jedi master and you're the Padawan. I'm like, I'm just sitting in his feet. And he says, when you get there, he goes, I want you to, this is all I want you to say. I want you to say, uno mas, por favor. Uno mas, por favor. And I got, I, I got to give honor where honor is due. I mean, it, it made the trip. I've never had so many margaritas brought to me. And I look at Mike and he's like, and I'm like, oh, uno mas, por favor. And they just, I'm like, oh, this. I was living in the land of overflow and abundance. Fish, tacos, una mas, por favor. And they kept bringing it out. I'm like, I love this. I don't know what it means. He wouldn't tell me what it means. He just said, just keep saying it. Like a magic word. But while we were down there, Pastor Mike says, oh, listen, we're gonna go out to eat at a special place. It's called Flora Farms. I mean, it doesn't sound like a special place. It's, it, it's it, Flora Farms, really? It sounds like... There's gonna be chook poo. It sounds like there's the smell of freshly laid manure. No, it's fertilizer. You know, it's like, and so, so, so something, and it's, it's around the corner, it's around the, so we get in a bus and 45 minutes later, you know, we're still, and we pull up and I'm like, I thought we we're going out to eat. We're in the middle of fields. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's just all these giant, you know, stalks and bean stalks and corn husks and, Carrots and tomatoes, and I'm like, and you know, with the machete trying to get through. Oh, there's a table. I mean, you know, sit at this wooden table. I'm like, Mike's duped us. But I'm telling you, I've never eaten food like that. It was everything that you ate, everything was on your plate, was even the meat was, was grown at that place. It was the freshest, most delicious food. It literally went from garden to table. So have a look at David in Psalm 23. David said, this is what David said. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And where is this place? He says, and I will dwell in this house. I will dwell in the house of God forever. Can I tell you, can I tell you what Adam and Eve lost, what Adam and Eve walked out from, what Adam and Eve were evicted from in the garden of Eden, God has prepared a table and everything that he had prepared in the garden, he has now brought from the garden to the table and he is serving it up at the table. And David says that God prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Let me just tell you this, what you will feed on in this house, the table of God in this house, what you feed on in here helps you to crush and defeat 
the enemy out there. When you come into this house, there is a table that God has prepared. You will begin to feast on faithfulness, which will crush the spirit of infidelity out there. You'll begin to feed on faith. You'll begin to feed on hope. You'll begin to feed on love in here, which will crush all the assignments of the enemy out there. When I walked into this house, when I walked into the house of God, I began to feed on forgiveness. I began to hear that Christ hung on the cross to forgive me for my sin. And then the Spirit of God says, you need to forgive your father. I'm like, God, you don't know what he's done. And God says, I'm God. Kind of have a clue. I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, you're right. I said, oh, well, well, if you know what he's done, then you know he doesn't deserve forgiveness. And God's like, you're 100% right. But neither did you. When I hung on the cross, you didn't deserve forgiveness either. But I still forgave you. And I'm asking you, son, to pay it forward. Because if you, if you receive forgiveness and it stops with you, you don't become a river of blessing. You don't become a river of life. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living. He says, you'll become a swamp. That's what a swamp is. A swamp has an inlet, but has no outlet. And if you've ever been to a swamp, do not drink the water. Swamps are full of disease. Swamps are full, it's where mosquitoes breed. Swamps stink. There's a stench, there's an odour. And he says, your life has a stench. Your life has rottenness in it, your life is breeding all kinds of infestation because you won't extend the forgiveness that you received. You need to forgive your father so that life can come, so that your life takes on a sweet smelling aroma, so that your heart has a sweet melody, so that your, your soul sings a sweet song to the Lord. And as I began to forgive my father, it was hard at first, but because I sat at a table in the, in the presence of my enemies, rejection was trying to rob me, bitterness was trying to destroy and cripple my life. But as I began to eat at this table, there was something about the food at this table that I could go in and I could forgive somebody that wasn't asking, somebody that wasn't deserving. But I'm telling you today, I love my dad. I'm telling you today, I bless and I honour my father. I could not have done that except I went to the house of the living God where there's a table that he prepared in the presence of my enemies so that I can crush out there what I feed on in here. You can't get it at Harvard. You can't get it at Yale. They're not teaching this in Oxford. There's only one house in the entire world and it's the house that is chief of all the mountains, exalted above every high hill. It's the house of the living God. It's the house of the living God. But it's a, cra it's a crazy verse because he says, not only, not only does he prepare a table in the presence of my enemies while you're sitting, feeding on faith, feeding on hope, feeding on love, feeding on prosperity, feeding on the God of breakthrough, feeding on these things. God is anointing your head with oil. The Bible says, He prepares the table and He anointeth my head with oil. Before you get up from the, the table, before you finish eating, before you get your napkin, Before you're finished, He's already anointed your head for mission. 
He's anointed your head for assignment. He's anointed your head for purpose. He's anointed your head for destiny. He's anointed your head for dominion. He's anointed your head to walk in authority. He's anointed your head to go forth and conquer. He's a... It doesn't finish there. It says, He anointeth my head with oil and my cup runneth over. You're like, oh, quick, quick. Oh, I'm so sorry. My cup runneth over? Do you know why your cup runneth over? Because you're blessed to be a blessing. Your cup runneth over because you're meant to say, hey, bring your empty cup. You're in the world. Oh, you, you, you're nightclubbing. Oh, you, 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 you're chasing material things. Bring your cup to my cup overflows. Here, have some of my cup. It keeps overflowing. What? What do you mean? I know it just keeps overflowing because of my source. My source is an endless source. My source is a limitless source. If you, you can have this too, you can have a cup that overflows so that you can go. You're meant to be blessed to be a blessing. But it gets even crazier. The next part of that verse, it says, my cup overflows and surely two stalkers are sent from heaven to stalk you. It's awkward. I always feel like somebody's watching me. And I don't know what to do. And it's like, I feel, I feel like I got stalkers. Hey, I see you get. Oh yeah, I could. who are you? Goodness, and who's this guy? Mercy, oh yeah, following me around. When you come into this house, not only do you come and see, but you discover that what, what, what they lost in the garden, God serves at the table. And when you look back over your life, when I look back over my life, I see God's goodness. I see God's goodness. I see, I see where I first saw my Leanne. I see where he said to me, this is your, your bride. This is the one. I see my Geordie being born, my beautiful baby. I see my Ash. I see my Tommy. I see the laughter. I see the joy. I see the breakthrough. I see the, I see the miracles. I see going to Bible college. I see God supernaturally providing. I see myself going to New Zealand ministry. I see, I see all the miracles that God did, the, the houses, the friends, the relationships. I see awakening. I just see the goodness of God. But then, but then I look back and I don't just see God's goodness. How many people here have ever been in like, you know, a church where, the, you know, I'm sure we do it where people get slain in the spirit. We have those, they call them modesty cloths. Have you seen them, the, the cloths and, you know, you, it, it, for whatever reason, every time I get slain, they put it over my face. I don't know why. That, anyway, and so, um, so when people fall over, if they're not dressed, if their attire is not appropriate, we, you know, we use the modesty cloth. So true story, this one day I'm looking back and I see God's goodness in my life. I see my Liani, I see us getting married, I see... Geordie, I, see, I just see God's goodness, all the homes, all the, bla all the things, just the things that I did, oh, God's goodness. But then I looked and I literally saw these modesty cloths, modesty cloths. And I'm like, hang on, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, what, 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 what's, 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 what's with the modesty cloths? And the Holy Spirit said to me, oh, that's mercy. He said, every time you messed up, Every time you transgressed, every time you slipped up, 
in a place that would have disqualified you from my goodness, mercy came. Because it's not just goodness that follows you, but mercy came and covered. Mercy came and covered your transgression. Mercy came and covered your slip up. Mercy came and covered your mess up. Mercy came so that when God looked down, He couldn't see your transgression. He couldn't see your disqualification. All He saw was His mercy so that you could keep living in His goodness. When you look back in your life, when you make this house your house, you'll look back on your life and your testimony will be like David, that surely goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. No wonder, he says, and I will dwell in this house forever. There's no other house, there's no other house where goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. It's from garden to table. It's from garden to table. What you feed on at the table helps you to conquer what the enemy has out there. The last one, point number three, is it's the gate of heaven. It's the gate of heaven. Genesis 28, 16 to 17. Genesis 28, 16 to 17. Jacob has fallen asleep in a certain place. He's got a stone as a pillow, which doesn't sound comfortable, but he has a dream. And that night he has a dream and he sees a ladder set up to heaven. And as, he, as he's dreaming, he sees his ladder set up, but he sees angels ascending and descending upon it, ascending and descending upon it. And the Bible says, as he's looking at all of this, above the ladder, above the angelic activity is a throne. And there's one that sits on the throne. And the one that sits on the throne says, Yaakov, I am the God of your father. I'm the God of your grandfather, Abraham, the God of Yitzhak, and I'm your God. The land on which you lie, all the land that you see, I'm gonna give to you and your descendants forever. And the Bible says that Jacob awoke from the dream. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. I want you to know that the house of God is the gate, is the access point, is the entryway to heaven. And it's not just the entryway to heaven when you die. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the church is the gate of heaven because Jesus, when He taught the disciples to pray, says, when you pray, say, Our Father who art in heaven, holy, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God is that, that our life on earth reflects heaven. The devil's will is that the earth looks nothing like heaven so that people don't believe in heaven, so people don't believe in God. See, He fills the world with chaos. He fills the world with violence. He, he fills the world with hate. He fills the world with division. He loves war. He loves strife. He loves seeing businesses destroyed and looting and crime and things burnt down. He, he loves homicide. He loves murder. He loves little children, little boys and girls being trafficked, being stolen, being slain. That, that's the devil. But the devil's not the only one, there's also the church. There's also a church that Jesus says, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. 
Let me just tell you something in Awaken. I don't live in fear of the devil. But I make sure that every day when I get up, the devil lives in fear of what Awaken is about to do, what our leaders are about to do, what our church is about to do, what we're about to press into, what we're believing God for. I don't want him to have one day of peace, not one day of peace while we're here. Let him be tormented every day till Christ splits the sky and throws him into the lake of burning sulfur. But there's, there's the church on the earth and the church, let me tell you, you, the church, your life should reflect heaven. We get, we get, in, we get all kinds of flack. Oh, that, that awakened church down there in San Diego, they, they're, they're them prosperity gospel preachers. They're just like Joel Osteen, only that pastor ain't as good look. I can't believe they say that. Obviously, I haven't seen Pastor Mike. Hello. Oh, I see you, Joel. I raise you a Mike Yeager. Excuse me, a Mike, look at me. I'm better than everybody at Yeager. In this house, I promise you, your life is meant to. Don't apologize for it. Don't apologize for it. Don't let religion steal it from you. The spirit of religion, religion is a thief. Don't let the spirit of religion rob you. Your life should reflect heaven. Pastor Mike said, man, if, if, if someone could have, if I could have asked the 10 year, 10 year ago, Mike, Mike, your life should reflect. If you would have said to me, you're gonna be married for 30 years and be more besotted, be more in love, be more infatuated with your bride after 30 years of marriage, I would have said you got rocks in your head. If you would have said in 30 years time, after being abandoned by your father when you left engineering, went to Bible school, you're going to be so blessed that the man who withheld from you because he was ashamed that his son left engineering to, in his words, become a priest. I'm like, Dad, I'm, I wanna marry Leanne. I'm not gonna become a priest. If you would have said, and in 30 years time, when your father's almost 80, you, will be walking under the blessing of God so that you're able to buy your father a two bedroom apartment on the beach on the Gold Coast of Australia. In, in honour, I would have said, whatever you're smoking, may I? No, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said, you need to stop that immediately. It's uno mas, por favor. It's him. It's his fault. I still don't know what it means. Rudy, you have to explain it afterwards. Let, let me just, let me just make, make, make a declaration and a promise. And if you can ask anybody on the front row, ask beautiful, beautiful Pastor Marco and Natalie, ask anyone in this house, is, is what he's saying really true? Will my life on earth reflect heaven? Watch this, Jacob has the dream and the God above all the angelic activity says to him, all the land that you lie on, I'm gonna give to you. When he looked at that, he couldn't have worked hard enough, saved long enough to purchase that land. He couldn't have done enough business transactions and negotiations and manipulations and deals to, 
But God said, the life that you'll live will so exceed your hand, will so exceed your might, will so exceed your strength, will so exceed your capacity, your experience, your intellect, your pay grade, your education, your status, your understanding, because you have found the house of God, which is the gate of heaven. And I'm gonna pour out blessing. I'm gonna pour out breakthrough because I'm the God that does exceedingly abundantly above. I am telling you, strap on your seatbelt, Dorothy. Kansas is about to go bye-bye. You have walked into the house of the living God. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. This is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. This is where your life begins to reflect heaven. You may have walked in with pain, but heaven is a place of healing. You may have walked in with brokenness, but heaven is a place of restoration. You may have walked in with dysfunction, but heaven is a place of transformation. You may have walked in defeated, but heaven is a place where there's empowerment and you're gonna conquer. You may have walked in broke, but heaven is a place of prosperity and abundance. Come on, stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Little, little Bible trivia question. Little Bible trivia question. Who can tell me what the streets in heaven are made out of? Gold. Gold. Okay. Alex, the streets in heaven are made of gold. Watch this. The streets in heaven. The lowest point of heaven, because heaven reflects earth, the highest value metal in the earth, the highest is gold, but it's the bottom of heaven because that's what the Hashemayim, that's what the heavenly skywaters reflect. The highest thing in the earth is the bottom thing in heaven. Your life, it begins with God blessing you. It begins with your cup running over. It begins the prodigal son, when he left the father and pursued the world, got seduced by the world, ran out of money, ran out of friends, ran out of everything. He's looking at pig slop and then he comes to himself and he says, my God, how many men in my father's house who are hired servants have bread enough and he's not talking about sons he knew that sons were heirs he says I'm not talking about the heirs I'm talking about the serve even the people that just that the day you come into the house of God and just start serving you're going to find my God I got bread enough and you're going to find your life begins to overflow your life will begin to reflect heaven realities that's why in this church we refuse to preach anything less than this. I will never waste your time by, by preaching anything other than what God tells me. Because I know that this Word are heavenly words sent into earthly realities to change earthly realities into heavenly reflections. Your life, your life will carry a heavenly reflection. Come on, if you want that, just give me a wave right now. Heavenly Father, you see all these hands. You see all these hands. Father, I declare the blessing of God. I declare the blessing of God. And the Word of the Lord right at the beginning was pray and obey. There are some people here. Get to Tuesday morning prayer meeting. Get to Tuesday morning prayer meeting. And if you've been getting to the prayer meeting, don't just pray, but obey. The Holy Spirit's... Listen, 
Obedience is a key that unlocks blessing. Every, every new stage and every new level of blessing, every new heavenly reality in your life is unlocked with an obedience. God will always test you with an obedience. Genesis 22, and it came to pass the Lord tested Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Take down your son, your only son, and offer him as a burnt offering. God was testing his obedience because God was wanting to unlock a new level of blessing. Father, I pray, Lord God, for those that, that God has been speaking to you about something. It might be forgive my father. It might be forgive my brother. It might be pay back a debt. It might be apologize to somebody that you hurt. It may be forgiving somebody who has hurt you, forgiving somebody that has wounded you. Whatever the Holy Spirit's telling you, I promise you, I promise you, the price of obedience is nothing compared to the price of disobedience. Or may I say it this way, the cost of disobedience is nothing compared to the price of obedience. Pay that price, pay that price. Just put your hands down for a minute. If you're here today, you've never surrendered to Jesus. You've never made God your Father. You've never said, hey, I want... I don't want to just live in my house. I want to live in His house. I want to be part of His familia. If that's you, would you quickly give me a wave of your hand? I'm going to see your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you. You're going to be born again. Your sins, thank you, sweetheart. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll come into the house of God and breakthrough will be yours. Who else is there? Is there somebody else? This beautiful young lady's raised her hand. Is there someone else saying, hey, pastor, that's me. I want to, I want to come into the house of God. I want to be forgiven for my sin. I, I, I want what you're talking about today. Is there anybody else? Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you, the cute little one. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Say these words out loud after me. Say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank You. You so love me. You sent Jesus, Your only Son, to die on the cross, to take away all my sin. Jesus, thank You that You died so that I might live, that You hung on the cross so I could be forgiven and You rose again so I can live with You. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.